Welcome to this recording from Crossroad International Church. In today's message, we will conclude our series from the book of Jonah entitled, The Tree, A Place to Grow. As we will discover from chapter 4, Jonah is furious and moves to a place outside the city of Nineveh, where he can watch to see if God's judgment would come. During this time, God uses a tree, a worm, and a hot desert wind to show Jonah that anger has been allowed to consume his heart and he needed to let it go. Our prayer is that God will use this recording to minister to you and help you discover areas where we have allowed bad things to take hold in our hearts. God often uses questions, not because he doesn't know the answers, but because he is trying to show us areas in our life we need to work on. We now join Pastor Dell in the message already in progress. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 4. If you, if you don't have your Bible with you, we have an insert. There should be an insert in your bulletin. How many of you here have enjoyed the series on Jonah? It's good. At least two people. That's good. So, uh, no, it's, it's been really great, and I uh, hope you guys have been able to take some things from it, and we'll, we'll just kind of close it out today in the final message from Jonah chapter 4. As I was preparing uh, for the message, I came across this, um, it's a few verses, a man by the name of Jonathan Swift. If you ever heard of the book Gulliver's Travels, he wrote it. He did a lot of other works as well. But uh, he said these uh, words about Jonah, and I thought it was kind of humorous and Maybe it applies to us at times, too. He says this, We are God's chosen few. All others will be damned. There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven crammed. And, yeah, I know. It's like, do I laugh or don't I laugh? I understand. I was the same way. But the reason we don't laugh too much is because I think we can sometimes have this mentality, can't we? When there's those, again, as we've talked about, those, there's those bad people in the world. There's those people that maybe just aren't very lovable, that have done things directly to us or to other people. And, but the reality is, is those are all God's creation. God loves each and every single one of those people. And sometimes, unfortunately, and in Jonah's case, I think he had the mindset that, you know, that there was no place because he didn't, in heaven because he didn't want it crammed. And so I thought it was a, a kind of a funny way to summarize maybe Jonah's attitude here. I want to begin reading. I'm gonna, I want to just duck back to uh, Jonah 3, verse 10, and then we'll lead in uh, to, to chapter 4. So I'm going to just take this section of Scripture up into 4, 2. So if, if you start in 3:10, if you do have your Bibles, we'll start there. So when God saw what they did, this is uh, the city of Nineveh, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he, would, that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. <clears throat> but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Okay, this is one of the major points we're going to bring out here. It, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry because the city was spared. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee Tarshish, to, to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Jonah knew how loving God was. He knew that he would turn, that he would not destroy that city if they repented. And so that's why he didn't want to go there. 
can you kind of, it's hard to piece that together, but he actually did not want to go because he knew how great God was. You see, Jonah's heart was not yet in the right place. His heart wasn't in the right place, was it? God had called him to do something, and he didn't want to do it because he knew God would, do, would spare the city if they repented. And Pastor Steve mentioned this last week, but you know, Jonah was unhappy with the success of his ministry. Sorry, I mean, if I'm building a resume, if I can say about eight words to a city and 100, over 120,000 people repent, that's a pretty good resume builder, right? I mean, you can pretty much get any church in the world probably with that. And that's the thing with Jonah. I mean, it's just this amazing work. It's God doing what God does and God carrying out his plan. And even amidst, you know, again, we've, we've, we've looked at how Jonah went the opposite direction and how God brought it all back around through the, the, the great fish, through the storm, all these things to bring it to this point. And here we have, you know, again, now the city repented. Why? Because God knew where the people's hearts were. These were not the, they, they were not the chosen. They were not the Israelites. They were not the chosen people, but God knew and God loves each person that he, his grace is there. It's ready to move whenever there's repentance. Can someone say amen to that? Now in verse 3, it goes on, and here's Jonah again. Now he's just, he's just upset. He's poor little thing. He says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. It is better for me to die than to live. Has anybody ever said those words? I don't, I mean, I've been in some pretty bad situations, but I don't know if I've been to the place where God just strike me dead now, because it's just that bad. Jonah's here, and so for some reason, Jonah wants to die, all right? Now, you can look through a lot of commentaries. You can look through a lot of, there's a lot of views, um, you know, because Jonah said that his words were, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be, shall be overthrown. It was, this is the words he professed. And so some people say it's because he was afraid that what he said wasn't going to come true because unlike today, in those days, if you're a prophet and you're wrong, it doesn't go well, okay? Usually there's stones involved and you will die, <laughs> You don't have to ask God, but that's the way they treated prophets when they were wrong. Today, people can say whatever they want to, and, you know, what, I, I don't know. We just kind of say, okay, <laughs> maybe it was some bad Mexican food or something. But we make excuses. But back in that day, there was, it was very serious when a prophet said something. And so some people say that it was that, but I, I think it might have been something different. I'm going to elaborate on that in a moment. Now, we can look at this, and we can see that in this moment that Jonah makes three mistakes— that many of us can make today during our times when we're angry. The first one is that he deserted. He deserted. What does that mean? Well, in the military, we, have, we call a person that leaves their place of duty. Sometimes when we're deployed, even at war, there have been guys that just, they, just, they quit. They walk off the, the base and walk out into the desert or whatever, and they're gone. And they would be called, and so there's something called AWOL, absent without leave, but then ultimately, if you miss so many formations or they can't find you, you're considered a deserter, meaning you just left the military. Jonah, what was he called to do? He was called to go to Nineveh, wasn't he? Did anybody ever read in throughout Jonah where God called him to leave Nineveh? No. And so many of us, there are times, there are things that we're called to do, but, and it's not so much 
part of it is to go and to do what God has called you to do, but it's also knowing when your call is done or if it's done. And sometimes we're called to stay in places that are maybe not comfortable and maybe are, are challenging, but ultimately we want to be obedient to God our Father, right? And so Jonah just said, okay, I'm leaving, I'm done, and he walked away. He deserted. The second mistake Jonah made is that he detached. He detached, meaning he, he moved himself out of community with people. What did he do? He went out by himself, right? And he's, he goes outside the city alone. We need to be around people. We need to be in community. I have a very close family member that's just, I don't know how to say it in the right words, but he's out there very far and his, the way he thinks. And, but it's because there's been a choice to remove himself from community. You see, the thing about community, it's not so you surround yourself with people that just sit there and talk about how great you are and how wonderful you are. I know that's true, everybody here. We're all great and wonderful, aren't we? But you need people in your life that will tell you when you, you make a mistake or when you're, when you're doing something that's wrong, don't you? And it's hard to hear. But if you're in a relationship with people that you know love you and care for you, then they, when they say those things, it's a little easier to take, isn't it? You know that they care for you, but we need to be in community with other people. We can't just get angry, but that's what we do, and that's what we see, isn't it? We act like little children a lot as when we're adults. You know, we get mad, and so, okay, well, I'm done being in a relationship with you because you hurt my feelings, right? Sometimes we need to hear, ultimately, we need to hear the truth, right? We need to hear the truth, and those that really love us it's like when you're sitting there talking, you know, and you got that piece of food right here hanging out or something, and it's like you sit there, I, you have those conversations like, do I say something or do I just stay? But a true friend, if somebody really cares about you, they're going to tell you, like, got something there. You have like a cheeseburger and some fries or something. If you have a beard, you can probably pull that off. And the, the third mistake Jonah made was that he distanced himself. Many of us watch the great things God does from a distance because we choose not to be involved. What do I mean by that? Jonah, he wasn't sure how it was going to work out. I mean, think about it. He, he, he spoke this, this message from God. The people repented. Now, I, we can't find anything in the Bible about it, but I'm sure they were ready to, to probably put him up in a nice place and, and really because they were thankful. They were grateful that their city was spared but Jonah still wasn't sure what was going to happen. And so Jonah chooses to remove himself and, and not be involved in what God wants to do. I'm sure God wanted to do other things through Jonah in that city, but Jonah just walked out. So he distanced himself. In verse 4, chapter 4, it says, And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? I have in my notes here, cricket, cricket. You know what that means? Not the game, but the little bug. You know, that's why we say crickets. You know, you hear the crickets like chirp, 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 because there's no answer, basically. God asks a question. He asks a question of, do you do well to be angry? And there is no answer. Now, we see God here moving into this role of a loving heavenly father, all right? And we can take notes as parents here um, that we can really glean understanding that through right questions, 
like with our children, we can discover what's really in their hearts. But let me just tell you, we can also do this with people as well, with anyone. We, I spoke to someone recently about, you know, uh, they were in a difficult situation. I, I suggested, ask questions. Ask them questions. And what you'll start to see, if you ask the right questions and you listen, you'll start to see what's really in their heart. You begin to know what that person's really going through. I did, I did this with my boys just yesterday. Uh, I was out with the, my three children alone without my wife. I do that. I'm not scared. <laughs> um, and so we were out, and we had a moment. So we're all sitting at this table eating popcorn and things. And um, so I just started asking questions, you know, like, what do you want to do when you, or what do you want to be when you grow up, you know? And my eldest, Isaac, he wants to be like a marine biologist. Noah wants to be a Lego designer. And Joshua, I don't know, Superman or something. <laughs> so, uh, so, but yeah, but you talk, but you can, you, can, you can pull off those things and you can kind of talk a little more and you begin to find out, you know, uh, what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their mind. And you can do this with people, though, too. It doesn't have to be children. So God asks us questions, doesn't he? And now we all know that it's not because he, he doesn't know the answer, right? He's not asking Jonah here, do you do well to be angry? He knows, God knows, he doesn't need a response, but he's trying to do something in Jonah. He's trying to finish that work in Jonah's heart that he's been trying, that obviously the big fish didn't quite take care of, did it? Most people that we could have checked the box, all right, I'm good, I've, I've learned it. But God is asking questions, and throughout the Bible, you know, we can see him use this approach, like in the Garden of Eden, where are you? You know, he says to Adam and Eve, who told you you were naked? What is this you have done? He's not saying that for his benefit to find out the answer. He's working the heart of Adam and Eve, you know. And throughout, again, throughout the Bible, Cain, where is your brother Abel? What have you done? And all kinds of things. And then even in the New Testament with Jesus, Jesus is always asking questions, you know. Uh, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Say, you know, for Judas. Who do you say that I am when he works out things in Peter's heart? You remember that? I think uh, Eunice just mentioned that today. Who, you know, do you love me? He knew Peter's heart, but he's working that out so that Peter can know his own heart, right? And the issues of his heart. In verses 5 through 9, it says, Jonah went out of the city and, and sat to the east of the city, and made a booth, or a, basically a shelter for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till, the, the, till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant. Who appointed it? Go ahead, say it out loud. God, right? The Lord God. God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. So I mean, so God's great, right? He's providing the shade for Jonah. He's a good God. He's a loving God. But when dawn came the next day, what does it say? God appointed, right? Here's God again. Appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. Isn't that just, how's this, you know, he just made the plant. Now he's taking the plant out. 
It's just interesting here. That attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. This is this loving God, right? And this God that cares about us, you know. I mean, he took my plant, and now I've got this harsh wind in my face. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, here's Jonah again. This sounds familiar. It is better for me to die than to live. All right? Jonah, once again, remember he said this just before he left the city. And now he's saying it again because Jonah's life is just miserable right now. It's just horrible. And God said to Jonah, this sounds familiar. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? You see, God is digging. He's digging deep into the heart of Jonah. Do you do well to be angry, right? Because he just said uh, in the verse before, remember we had read that, do you do well to be angry? That's in verse uh, 4 there. Do you do well to be angry? He just said that. That was it, right? Now he says, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Where's this anger coming from? What's the source of this anger that you're dealing with? Why do you want to die, right? And as we said, God appointed the worm, the plant, and the wind. You see, this difficult experience wasn't going to kill Jonah, but his anger, if allowed to turn to bitterness, would. Okay, this is, this is something, this is one of those things you need to write down if you take notes, all right? His anger wasn't going to kill him, but if it was allowed to fester and to continue into bitterness, it would. God is allowing this trial to bring out the root of Jonah's issues. All right? This is why we hit on this and hit on this. I'm going to say it one more time. God appointed, all right? He's, he's, he's unearthing the things that don't need to be in Jonah's heart so that Jonah can see him and deal with him once and for all. Because again, as Pastor Steve mentioned last week, it's not just about Jonah. Jonah went. He did go to Nineveh, didn't he? He went to Nineveh like he was told to do. He said what he was supposed to say, but his heart wasn't in the right place. And God cares about our heart more than he cares about what our actions are. We can do the right thing. We can come to church. We can say the right thing, the, the Christianese as we call it. I've grown up in the church my whole life, and I promise you I can hang with the best of them and talk the talk and walk the walk, look the look, and whatever else, read the book, and whatever else you want to rhyme with it. But you can do it. We, we all can do it. If we've been in the church for a long time, we can fake it. But where's your heart? Where's your heart? And so the second half of verse 9, okay, here it comes. This is the moment. This is the, the pinnacle of, of this whole thing we're reading about, what God's doing by asking God is about to reach the, the bottom. He's about to strike oil, if you will. He's, he's getting to the root of it. And Jonah says this. Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Now again, I, I'm not a deep theological scholar or anything. I don't have any books written yet. At least none that are not in crayon. But it is, it, this is the moment where he says, 
I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. You see, before he said, I am angry, right? It is better, or he said, it's better for me to die than to live, right? Back in, um, in uh, verse 3, when he's, before he leaves the city, he says, it's for it is better for me to die than to live. And then he goes on, and in verse 8, he says, it is better for me to die than to live. But why? Why is it better to die than to live? And here's your answer. Because I'm angry, and I'm angry enough to die. You see, the anger in Jonah's heart was taking him to the place where he was just, he wanted to die. It was overtaking him. And, and we know people, I'm sure in our lives and maybe in ourselves, you know, that, that we carry anger. We can carry anger, can't we? If we're not careful, if we don't get rid of it, and maybe you know somebody that's, that's angry and, and then they've, they've allowed that to turn to bitterness. And there's always, nothing is good enough, right? They never can just enjoy life. They can never just be happy. They always are just upset about something. And again, we can fall into those things too, especially when people have wronged us, right? When people have wronged us and we, we have that anger that, towards them. And this is why God is always telling us, you know, we need to forgive. We need to let those things go because it takes root. And here Jonah He's in this place of, of extreme anger, and it, and it comes down to selfishness. What do I mean by that? Again, you have a whole city full of people that just repented of their sin, and God wants to spare this city. But there's how much more? I mean, Jonah's a prophet that's been used by God. I mean, really, during Jonah's time, he, was, he saw Israel come from a place of just really down in the dumps, to a place of really good, good power. Israel was doing really well during this time. And so Jonah, could, he could have been used more in Nineveh had he chosen to not be so angry and bitter. I mean, I don't know about you, but having a testimony of, you know, being thrown off a ship in the middle of the, a, a raging storm and then to be swallowed by a fish only to survive for three days somehow to be spit up on the very place that you're supposed to go minister to, to go minister and to have over 120,000 people repent of their ways, things are going pretty good, right? I mean, it's a pretty good testimony to have, and I think God could probably find a way to use that, you know? I mean, I think of some of the good things that I get excited about that God's done, and they're like, I've not been in the belly of a fish for three days. I don't really want to, but... You know, it's just Jonah has this amazing, he's in this, being used by God, but here he is being selfish and angry, angry enough to die. And then the Lord close, closes in, the, in verses 10 and 11, he says this, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Has anybody ever seen um, Lord of the Rings or anything? Have you guys watched the movies? And I don't know, I mean, unless you read the book beforehand, it just, the movies just stop, Right? You're kind of going along, going along, and it's just like, boom, here comes the credits. And you're like, oh, wow, we get to wait a year for the next movie. 
God leaves off with this question, and we don't get the answer, do we? And I've searched, and there's nothing more on Jonah that's, that's dependable. That's it. That's all we get. We get this question. God asks him. He lays it all out, and that's the end of it. There's no second Jonah, at least not in my Bible. So we don't know the end of the story. We don't know what became of Jonah. You know, did, did he answer? Did he see his, the root of his anger and where his problem was? Did he choose to repent? Perhaps Jonah remembered his own words that he offered back in chapter 2, verse 9, when he says, salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? That means it's not our decision to decide the heart of a person, is it? Our job is to be obedient to what God calls us to do and to who God calls us to minister to. And my one prayer for, for all of you today and through this series is who, not what, but who is God calling you to minister to? Who have you maybe pulled back from, you know, as we brought out over this series? This is, these are the last people that Jonah would ever want to go to, let alone these are the last people that Jonah would ever want to see spared because they deserved death. They deserved to be punished. They deserved every bad thing that was due to them. But aren't we the same? I mean, if we are truly followers of Christ and we have been saved and we have accepted the work of the cross and been brought into to, to relationship with our Heavenly Father once again, and been restored, and we can walk with our head up because we know that our, the price of our sin has been paid for. Not because we're great. We deserve death. And Jesus paid that price. But how quickly do we forget when we look at someone else? When we look at the unlovable or the, the one that's just angry and upset, that's not pleasant to be around. When we look at our boss at work, who's just, every day is just mean and treats us horribly. This is what we're called to do, folks. We're called to love those, and we're called to be faithful to what God has, has called us to do. We're called to go to those that, are, that have wronged us. Because whether you realize it or not, you, if someone has wronged you, you are in the best position for God to, to use you to reach them. Why? Because you have every right to be angry at them. You have every right to mistreat them. But when you turn and you come back with love and you care for them, especially if God has called you to speak and minister to that person, because you don't know, they, you don't know what God's doing. You don't know the, the storm that he sent or the, the, the tree that withered over their head. We don't know what God's doing to, to bring about repentance in their heart, do we? And so our job is to be obedient and not ask questions. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is not of Dell and the Lord. We don't have like a conference call. He doesn't check in with me to see if it's okay to, that this person is saved. No, he's God. <laughs> and this is what's amazing. And this is what, it's, it's an incredible image of how much God loves us. Because Jonah's just having it out, isn't he? 
He's throwing a big ten temper tantrum. He's yelling and screaming at God. And God just keeps coming back with this loving, you know, why are you so angry? Why are you upset? What's the deal? Let's talk, you know? Uh, Matthew Henry, in his commentary, he says this. He says, do we do well to be angry at that which is so much for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom among men? To be angry at that which angels rejoice in and for which abundant thanksgivings will be rendered to God? We do ill to be angry at that grace which we ourselves need and are undone without. If room were not left for repentance and hope given of pardon upon repentance, what would become of us? Let the conversion of sinners, which is the joy of heaven, be our joy and never our grief. Those are, those are words that are so true, but they are, they're hard sometimes. I know. I get it. I get it. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to forgive people. It's hard to let people off the hook, so to speak. But we always have to look in the mirror and remember our own salvation, that God loved us. You know, he first loved us when we were not lovable, when we were not all put together. And so it's, it's very important that we always operate from this standpoint. So now in closing, just kind of want to recap just a couple thoughts, just three thoughts from Jonah. I, I know there's many more. I'm sure all of you maybe have gotten bits and pieces and little nuggets here and there along the way. But three, of the, three things that stood out to me. The first one is that God calls us to difficult things, to difficult tasks, to difficult people. We, you know, it's great when you can go to that really nice person and who smiles all the time and it's just a generally a good person, but they just don't know Jesus. That's the easy part. But when it's the person that's not lovable, when they're mean, when they're, especially when they're mean to us, it's difficult, and if God calls us to them, it's, it's, a, it's a hard, hard place to come to, but that's, that's where we put our trust in God. You know, Jonah, he showed us. I mean, he went the opposite direction. He did not want to go. And the funny thing, it's just, it's just humorous to me that when he goes on his rant about how great and loving God is, and he knew that God would extend that forgiveness to them, and that was the reason, you know? I mean... Basically, God, you're going to be God and do what you're supposed to do, and you're going to save them like we all pray for, but I don't want that. <laughs> Typically, if it's easy, I mean, you know, we don't need God a whole lot, do we? But it's through our weakness that he is made strong, right? That's what the Bible says. So it's interesting how God typically calls us to the difficult places, to the hard places. You know why? It's because when that somebody, that person looks at you, they're not going to see you. They're not going to see you. You know why? In their mind, they're going to be like, there's no way this man or this woman could be doing this of their own. They, there's no, it's impossible. I want to know why or how you can be kind to me and love me even in spite of the way I've treated you. God calls us 
to the difficult things. Second thing is that God loves us. God loves us. God loves you. And some of you here need to hear that today. God loves you. And whatever you're at today, whatever you've done, you know, you look at Jonah, and it's, just, it's an encouragement. Jonah was disobedient, went the opposite way, and again, went through the storm and the belly of the fish and all these, these really difficult things, but God was in all of that. Why? Because he loved Jonah. And don't lose sight of that. I mean, God cared about the people of Nineveh, and as I shared before, ultimately God's trying to get the Israelites to turn from, from being stiff-necked. You see, they were living good at that time, at that season of, of their, their journey. And so they were at the top. And so what happens when things are going good, right? We stop reading the Bible. We don't really need God. We might come to church. We might not because now we have money and things are great. So let's go to the beach and just hang out and whatever. You know, when things are good, we drift away, it seems, doesn't it? It's just the nature of it. I don't know why. I, I, I've shared before, too, I think that's why God tells us that we, daily we have to pick up our cross. It doesn't mean you self-inflict things to yourself, but we should feel some sort of weight every day because there are a lot of people that are dying and going to hell. But through it all, God loves us. And he will do whatever it takes. Even if it's uncomfortable. I know that's, you don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But again, we are a comfort society. The comfort society. I mean, I've get, I get one drop of sweat come down. I'm like, all right, where's the AC? You know, this is not happening. Leanna will tell you, summertime, like that little plant monster thing, that's how I am. When I'm out in the heat, just, I struggle because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> and so there's something about it. But, but God loves us, and he will bring those things, even the uncomfortable things at times. And lastly, God will get the glory. At the end of it all, God will get the glory. That's, and that's what it's all about. It's all about God, right? It's all about God. It's not about us. And the minute we stop making it about us, <laughs> it's probably the, the, the moment that God will start to, to let off some of those things. He's trying to, again, just like with Jonah, he had to drill deep down into his heart because it was so deep, that anger. God wants the glory. So where have we robbed God of the glory today? And I want to add one last thing, is that while Nineveh was a, a heathen people, if you will, I, I know that many of us, you know, we've been hurt by people in the church, or there's difficult people in the church. And we need to know and we need to hear today that God loves them. God loves them. I mean, in all essence, they're, they should be Christians. They're saved. They, they, they're a brother and sister in Christ. And it may not, we may not have seen eye to eye on things, but you know what? At the end of the day, we're, we're probably going to be parked next to each other in heaven, right? And so don't hold bitterness or don't hold anger towards fellow Christians, to brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I know it's just like family. Those that are close to you, those, you know, who are supposed to love you, they can damage you the most. They can damage you the most. You know, in marriage, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. I, I love Leanna. She loves me. We, but when you're in close proximity, you're going to hurt each other. 
It's just the nature of it. I'm going to say just stupid things. I say probably more than she does, probably on a daily basis, maybe even hourly. <laughs> no amens. But it's just, it's what we do as people. I mean, we, we just say, we, we, we just bump our gums, as I say, in the military. We just talk too quickly sometimes. And so, you know, some people may have hurt you in the church. But I would, I would just encourage you to let it go today. To let it go today. Don't get to the place where Jonah's at and he's so angry that it's just rooted in, and just embedded itself deep within his heart. I'm going to close with a, a quote from Spurgeon, if that's okay, for all my Bible scholarly people. He says this. He says, I would suggest to some of you here who have to bear double trouble that God may be preparing you for double usefulness. Or he may be working out of you some unusual form of evil which might, be, might not be driven out of you unless his Holy Spirit had used these mysterious methods with you to teach you more fully his mind. That just made me feel great when I came across this, that you maybe bear double trouble, but that's because God might be preparing for you a double usefulness. You see, we get so focused on ourselves, we get so focused on what we're struggling with, we don't see what God is wanting to use us for in the future. Jonah's the example. All those things that happened, he left the city. He left it. I mean, what, what more did God want to do through Jonah's life? What more does God want to do through your life today? And if you're in a season of struggle and of trial and you're just, you're tired and you're done, find joy today because God is preparing for you. He's preparing in you something amazing to be able to do something amazing down the, down the road and in the future. It's not about today. I tell people this all the time, and I'll, maybe I'll say it in every time I, I preach, God is not interested in the temporary. He's interested in the eternal. And while God loves you and he sees your hurt and he, he cares about you, he cares more about eternity and where you spend it and where the people around you spend it. That's all that matters. That's the end game. Everybody wins. When I played soccer in, in, in college, you know, as my coach always said, an ugly goal is still a goal. You know, you could be looking the other way and the ball ricochets off your head into the goal. It still counts as a point, doesn't it? Right? God's the same way. It doesn't matter what happens here on earth, okay. But eternity is what counts. So I challenge you, I challenge you today, spend time this week, spend time praying and asking God, God, what is it you're preparing me for? What is it you're doing in my life? And if you're not experiencing a grind, that's okay. I'm not saying that you're in a bad place, but pray, God, have I distanced myself from the city? Have I moved away from what you've called me to do? There's, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself, I promise you. I'm preaching to myself because there's times in my life I have, I have gone and you, you go for so long in the opposite direction, you forget what you went away from, don't you? 
That's what I love about me. I can forget things like in an hour. It's over. If I don't write it down, it's done. But that also applies to what God's called me to do. Like that, you know, just, I'll be, let me just, can I confess something to you? Is it okay? Can your pastor do that? Um, I was coming in. I had a bunch of food the other day. And it was like, you know, like carry uh, takeaway. It was extra food. It was all prepared. Anyway, there were some workers outside. And, and I knew it. God put it on my heart. Hey, get them your food. You know, I'm like, I like this food. <laughs> this is good food. So, you know, I kind of looked at them. They went by. And then I kind of looked back. And like, well, they're probably gone. And so I kind of looked outside. They're still there. I'm like, dang it. Anyway, I ate the food. I'm not going to lie. And uh, I've repented since then. <laughs> but, the, you know, it's those types of things. But I just, you know, I missed. I missed an opportunity. I did. I'm not going to lie. And God loves me. Thank God for grace and mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that there's more food. And I can try to do this again the next time. But don't, don't overlook those little things. Don't overlook those moments when God's just saying, hey, tell that person that I love them. Just smile at that person. Stop and ask them how they're doing. Actually, let them respond and say, oh, actually, life's pretty bad right now. Oh, okay, well, let's talk about it. Can I pray for you? Don't miss those opportunities. Don't, don't be like your pastor. <laughs> I hope you still love me. Let's stand. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, we, we love you. And Lord, we today just, we see just how much you love us through this study in Jonah that all the things that, that you brought about, I mean, you brought about the storm, you brought about the fish, you brought about the worm, you brought about uh, the, the west, the wind that was hot and uncomfortable. You sent those things because you loved Jonah. Because you loved him. And you try, you're trying to work those heart issues out. And so God, I pray right now, Lord. Just as we spend the next few moments, Lord, just focused on you. And as we quiet ourselves before you. God, as we put out the things in our mind of what we're doing this afternoon or this week or the concerns of life. God, these next few moments we give to you to speak to our hearts. Perhaps, Lord, we need to ask your forgiveness where we've missed it, where we've moved the opposite direction of what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray for the person here today that maybe is like Jonah and that they haven't been able to find joy in seeing someone that maybe isn't kind or Maybe has hurt them in the past, but they haven't found joy in seeing them come to you, or even perhaps they're the ones that are supposed to speak to that person. God, I pray that you'd make those, those plans clear to us today. Lord, forgive us. We all probably need to ask your forgiveness today, Lord, just for the areas we've missed it. When we haven't been sensitive, Lord, to your to your leading. Lord, we just are so thankful 
that you are such an amazing God that you can, you can still use imperfect people to accomplish your perfect will. That even through our shortcomings and our weaknesses, Lord, you are made strong so that you get the glory. God, I pray that you, again, stir our hearts. Give us a heart for people. Especially the, the unlovely, the, the outcast, the, the angry. God, I pray that we experience a burden in our heart for those people like never before. That we pray for them, Father. That we pray for the ones that have hurt us, Lord God inside the church and outside the church. God, we thank you that you loved us. You first loved us. You saw us in our helpless state where we could not save ourselves. place today if you're in the place where you know God's called you to do something and maybe you've gone the opposite direction or maybe there's that person that God's been just putting on your heart and maybe you're afraid or maybe maybe you just don't want to see that person come to know Christ I mean it, it's it's a hard hard thing for you to get to because they've been so, so bad. But if that's you today, I just would ask that you would just, just slip up your hand. I just want to pray for you. I'm going to say a prayer for you specifically. And if it's not, don't worry. This isn't going to be a long, drawn-out time. But I just want to remember you in prayer. Okay, I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Pastor, I promise you I'm going to pray for you even in the weeks ahead. I know the people that have raised their hand. And, but let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, I again, I specifically just thank you right now for those that have chosen to raise their hand, that they're in the midst of, of this situation. And God, I, I pray that you'll just, first and foremost, just let them know your love for them in a very real and tangible way. Because when we know that our Heavenly Father is right there with us, that He is going forward in what we're called to do with us, it makes us able to step out and to trust Him. So Lord, I pray that these people would know You and know Your love for them. And God, I pray right now as well that if there's any unforgiveness or anger in their lives, that God, that they would give that to You, that they would give it up today.
And finally, Lord God, I pray that you would just give them the boldness, Lord, to step out into what it is you've called them to do. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer today. So now I pray the benediction for you today. That May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.